Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore Podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. We are excited to share with you the second of two special episodes celebrating our work on Top Gun Maverick and the show's Oscar, BAFTA, and VES Award nominations. On today's episode, we meet compositors and married couple Nicholas Lim and Shay Lin, who take on our specially altered Framestore Dailies questions, discussing their experiences on the show, the shots they worked on, including some awesome explosion work, by the way, and the wonderful team spirit that ran through this project. So that's it from me. We hope you enjoy episode 13 of the Framestore podcast. Top Gun Maverick special. Welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 13, the second of two special episodes celebrating the recent awards nominations for Top Gun Maverick. This includes one Oscar, one BAFTA, and three VES nominations for VFX lighting and modeling. As with all of our special episodes, there's no co-host, rather a specially tweaked version of the Framestore podcast dailies questions. We kicked off on Monday with EP Sabrina and lead compositor Marco on today's episode, taking on the Top Gun dailies, we welcome Montreal-based compositors Nick Lim and Shay Lin to talk about their experience working on the show. So Shay and Nick, welcome aboard uh, the Top Gun dailies. How are you? Hello, Simon. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Pleasure is all mine. Yeah, I'm going to just mention this from the get-go. When I, your names came up as potential podcast guests, uh, it turned out, turns out you're also a married couple, which I think is like the coolest thing I may have ever heard in this uh, this VFX racket. <laughs> as yeah. a like, married couple in the VFX industry. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty rare. I mean, there's a lot of married couples. It's a pretty cool thing. Like, uh, it's a, We can always talk about like the same show all the time. And I guess it's, it's like... Um, when we're having like a interesting shot or interesting thing that like we can always share and we can talk yeah, about it's the same cool. things all day, <laughs> <laughs> all day, all night. Wow, wow. <laughs> well, it's definitely a sign of a very strong marriage that you uh, not only work together but you're working on the same shots. I mean, I imagine when you finish for the day, you're not talking about VFX shots over dinner, right? Surely you've got other things to talk about. No, but sometimes we do. Like uh, sometimes. <laughs> Even in bed, like sometimes we lie like, oh, you know, I think I could do, have done that better. I know it's not really healthy, but we just, we yeah. talk about it sometimes. That's cool. That's cool. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I guess before we get started proper, I should say congratulations on the awards nominations. Is this your first award nom for a show? Or have you been on previously awarded shows? Uh, no. I think previously, like, uh, is it like a... Like throughout our projects that we did before? Yeah. Yeah, we worked on Life of Pi 
quite some time. Ah. Yeah, was, uh, that was a quite yeah, long time ago. Back in Rhythm and Hughes, yeah. That was some time ago. So, there may be other shows, but I don't remember. Yeah. This is quite this is quite a big one. I mean, Top Gun Maverick seems to have captured the, the zeitgeist at the moment as a as just a great picture and a really exciting movie that everybody seems to be talking about. So you must be really proud to have played a part in that and uh, to potentially be part of an award-winning movie. Yeah, we're actually really proud of it. Like uh, when it was first aired, like all my friends and family were like texting me on my on Facebook or Instagram. It's like, hey, you worked on that show. And then we saw your name in credits, like, can't believe you worked on it. And I think like a lot of my friends and my family, they actually watched the first one. Hmm. They, it feels pretty nostalgic. Yeah. And then that they know someone actually worked on it. Yeah, we were surprised by the reception as well. Yeah. Personally, I thought like, Oh, it's just <laughs> it did. I didn't expect it to have the reception that it got from people. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that we talked about this on the previous episode with Sabrina and Marco about the original Top Gun is almost quite a camp kind of almost bit of a joke in terms of uh, I guess that it's quite a cheesy film, cheesy eighties <laughs> action movie. So for for Top Gun Maverick to be just a really strong film and yeah, a film that arguably is better than the original. I mean, I'd rather sit through uh, Top Gun Maverick than the original Top Gun. Yeah, sequels usually get like a bad rap, right? Mm. Usually say the sequel is not as good as the first one. Yeah. I was really surprised when I, when I watched it. It's like, oh, this is really, really good. It's unfair. Yeah, because uh, Marco was talking about how, and again, I take this for granted when you're working on uh, in, as a compositor, is when you're comping shots, there's no soundtrack. There's no sound. You, it's just quiet, isn't it? You're just working on the visuals. Yeah, exactly. So you've got none of that bombast and that, that, that soundtrack and to see it all come together on the big screen must be uh, super thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. But as a married couple working in industry and both compositors as well, do you kind of come as a package when you, you start at studios or have you always worked together on shows just out of interest? <laughs> well, usually when we apply like for studios, we actually apply separately like they never know we're married until they're actually processing our visa and then be like, hey, are you guys married? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, great. Then we can do it like a... <laughs> yeah, we don't tell people we don't tell people that we are together because we are not sure how that might affect the interview. I don't know. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, so, uh, but generally, I think throughout all this while, we've managed to enter the same companies. Well, I think it's a great story. I'm, thr- I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast just for this very reason. You know, forget about Top Gun Maverick. I was going to talk about you kind of, you know, sitting around the dinner table, two compositors <laughs> working on the same shows, talking about comp stuff. It's really cool. We're going to get into the dailies now. As podcast law states, we can't really go over an hour. And I think there's quite a lot I'd love to talk about, particularly with your role as, as compositors on Top Gun Maverick. So I will keep the conversation going through the, uh, the Top Gun podcast dailies. So... I'm going to drop the dramatic sound effect. And we're into the dailies. And uh, the first question is, and I know we've established this already, we call it who, where, what, who are you, where are you, and what are you working on? Only if you're allowed to talk about it. So I'll let let one of you kick things off. Oh, sure. I'll start first. I'm Nicholas. I'm a compositor. I'm based in uh, Montreal, as we've talked about earlier. What am I working on? It's a it's a 
confidential thing. So that's, that's fine. <laughs> nobody can ever talk about it. It's a running joke on the podcast now. It's like nobody can ever talk about what they're working on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've been in Montreal for about five years. five years already. Yeah. Thank you, Nick and Shay. Tell me about you. Oh, hello. I'm Shailene, and I'm also from Malaysia, and currently living in Montreal. The project is a it's a secret IP, but of course. It looks wonderful and it's exciting, so stay tuned for it. Brilliant. And, and how long has it been uh, since you uh, wrapped on Top Gun Maverick? How long has it been now? Uh, it's been like a few years. God, a few years. It's crazy, isn't it? Three, I don't know. I think it's at least three years. Yeah, it, it ended like uh, midway into the pandemic. And then mm-hmm. it, it was like a couple years later that when it was released. So actually, I don't remember much about the show when it was released. So it's like watching a brand new show that I've never worked on. Yeah, we so forgot all cool. our Wow. Hopefully, yeah, it makes for good podcast content. Hopefully, it all come flooding back to you as we go through the questions. <laughs> <laughs> on the last podcast, we talked about just the amount of time that goes into these shows. And, you know, you can be on shows for years, can't you? One of the comments I got when I was wrangling these episodes, uh, I think it was from Saul who worked on the show, said that both of you worked on the uh, the big explosion at the end of Top Gun Maverick and the director said that it was the the best explosion he'd seen on on screen I think it was highly highly commended and it was to be fair I mean having watched it myself it's a pretty strong explosion as explosions go I'm sure we'll break that down as we go through that through the dailies but um you're not just here for your explosion work you're <laughs> here very much as a as a as hot shot um compositors one of the questions I wanted to ask uh, which is the next one which is how long have you worked at Framestore? Um. We worked here about like uh, one year and seven months, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's about pretty much there. So you've both been at the same, it's been the same period of time for both of you on at Framestore? Yeah, yeah, like pretty much. Like Nick started first, like a couple of months and I joined in later. Yeah, it's not too far. And what brought you both to work on Top Gun Maverick? So I'd love to hear the story because uh, I assume you just get added by crewing teams. But I'd love to hear this, the, the journey to, to working on the show. Yeah, Nick, do you want to kick us off? What brought me to work on Top Gun? Like, um, we just worked in the studio and then they said, hey, you're going to be on Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was interesting on the last episode, Marco asked to be on it because it was like, this is going to be cool. Where Sabrina was, yeah, I just got added. <laughs> just to, I just I'm just found myself working on the show. So was that how it worked for both of you? You were just scheduled to work on Top Gun? Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um we basically don't really ask for shows. It's we just I, I kind of like working I'm the type of person that doesn't even watch trailers before the movies. I don't have really have expectations for a lot of new things. I just like to go in blind and see what happens. Yeah. So what went through your mind when you were scheduled to work on, on Top Gun Maverick? Was it excitement? Was this a show that you're like, wow, I'm so glad I'm on this? Yeah, generally I was excited because I remember seeing the first Top Gun when I was a kid on Laserdisc. Wow, Laserdisc. Showing your age, Nick. That was that was a long time ago. Um, but then I, I, I was ex- actually, I was most excited to see the plates because they were saying they shot all these, a lot of practical stuff. So yeah, it was pretty cool, actually. Cool, cool. And what about you, Shay? What was your, uh, if you can go, I mean, it's going back a few years, but you know, when you got scheduled to work on this, uh, this show, what was the, what was the feeling? I actually share the same sentiment as Nick. Like, uh, I was just pulled into the show. I was like just hearing my neighbors talk, like my friends, colleagues, like were talking about it, like how excited they were, and then they were talking about the first movie and all. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. This would be my first jet pilot, like a uh, fighting show, like 
when I saw the place that was injected, I was like, oh wow, this is super, super cool. There was like Tom Cruise that's actually like uh, in the jet. In the cockpit. Yeah, yeah, super cool. And I knew it was going to be like a really cool IP to work on. Unique. Yeah, it's project. pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is as a, as a, as a heavy VFX show it doesn't look like it does it that's what's so cool about that particular film is nothing feels like obvious cg at all it's all almost invisible vfx throughout isn't it yeah you're right it's like a pretty much invisible vfx like uh actually like there was like a fun fact by sabrina that actually there's never more than two jet planes in every plate so Mm. anything you see that's more it's actually just cg but you can't tell huh (laughs) (laughs) Well, I only just discovered that on the last episode was that there were only two jet planes, physical assets, uh, and you watch that show and there's like a whole gang of them. So it, it's an incredible feat what you, you folks pulled off. Absolutely. You've touched on this with your, your laser disc nostalgia there, Nick, <laughs> around, uh, you know, your, your history with the Top Gun franchise. Do you want to build on that? I mean, was that the first time you watched it back in the day on Laserdisc or did you get to see it at the cinema, Nick? I think just the Laserdisc one. Yeah, I didn't get to watch it in the cinema. Because I was I was really young at the time, but I remember seeing back then it was like the best thing I've ever ever seen, because you know like the the visual effects back then it was was pretty good. I mean now we look at look at it and it's like oh it really can be, but for a young kid you know it looks look awesome. <laughs> it's still a great movie, isn't it? I mean I love that they've kept the same soundtrack and the same Kenny Loggins tunes and. Super cool, super cool. Now, what about you, Shake? You remember the first time you saw Top Gun? Well, the truth is, I didn't watch the first one growing up because I think I was a little bit too young. And I remember my dad actually brought back the disc, and but he didn't allow me to watch it because he said like there's some scenes that I'm not allowed to watch, so I never, I never got to it. So, <laughs> some good parenting there. <laughs> and so when did you watch it? Did you watch it in preparation for working on the show? Yeah, pretty much. Like um, we had like uh, some references here and there. Yeah. But that's about it. So you didn't dust off Nick's old laser display and uh, throw it in. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that takes me back laser disc. I always wanted a laser display, but I could never. My parents could never afford one. But it was uh, they. They came and went really quickly, didn't they? Laser disc. Yeah. They were left for like five minutes and then phew, gone DVDs. <laughs> I only owned. I only watched like. I, th- I think when you had like three or four movies on Laserdisc and then the technology just went away just like... I know. They look great though. They look like big vinyl records, didn't they? They were incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were quite impressive. I'm, sh- I'm showing my age now. I-, I was old. I was definitely old enough to watch it on Laserdisc when I was growing up. So, uh, <laughs> so moving into the show itself and the work that you both did, could you tell me a bit about the shots you worked on? I know I've kind of teased out the piece around the explosion. I'm sure there was more to it than that. But I'd love to hear about the, the shots that you worked on. I'll go first. Um, I worked on various parts of the show, um, different sequences. I think I, in total I had like 14 or 15 shots. Um, so I worked on parts of the Dark Star, which is the experimental airplane going up. That's obviously a lot of CG because it doesn't exist. I think that sequence was the only sequence that had blue screens, apparently. And also I did work on the aircraft carrier liftoff shot oh amazing that shot is actually not too crazy it's just adding um, armaments and some fuel tanks on the sides of the wings yeah so yeah basically planes flying around planes crashing (laughs) getting shot at (laughs) shooting missiles 
yeah. just what planes do. Yeah, just yeah. flying around, shooting missiles. Yeah, <laughs> cool. I mean, I, we talked about the the opening shot in the last episode, almost akin to science fiction, wasn't it? It, was, it must be quite interesting to go from kind of the real world stuff with the planes flying around and shooting stuff and exploding to that essentially something straight out of. Uh, 2001 or something it was like super science fiction wasn't it at the start of that film oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah that's true you're right what about you Shay what was your um what shots did you work on did you share shots or did you work on your own set we actually have like a similar shot in like similar sequences I guess like the most memorable shot I had was when uh Phoenix and Bob's jet was like hit by a bird strike and it just flew and exploded by the hill yeah, that was a... <laughs> that was the explosion shot. Yeah, that was a, one of my explosion shots. So, yeah, it was cool. That's really cool. So, so speaking of the, the explosions that you worked on, or actually all the work you worked on, can you tell me a bit about the uh, your approach to those those shots and did, you know what reference did you use? What was the uh, the process, you know, rather than just kind of literally jumping on the box and creating that awesome material? What was the approach? I think it was a combination of a lot of good work from a lot of good artists from different different departments and there was like a lot of a study on how the explosion actually works like the like the birth and end of the color of the explosions and I guess I was uh, really lucky that I was given like a really nice effects and lighting to begin with and as for like making it super real, like we had like a lot of references. Watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah, a lot of YouTube. And uh, I remember like um, the soups and com soups, they were like ingesting like a lot of references for us. So it was pretty cool. What's the secret to a uh, award-winning explosion? You know, it's high praise from the director. What's the, uh, what did you get right, do you think? <laughs> good teamwork. <laughs> I think it's just really good references and... I think you, we what we you notice when we watch explosion there's like like a the from the start to the end you need to like have a bit of oh yeah the core needs to go sometimes right. sometimes it blows up the whole screen sometimes it doesn't do that based on the distance and yeah the color actually changes throughout the explosion during the yeah the start color change the, the color evolves as well so we just do whatever we can to try to make it as true as possible yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine what it must be like analysing explosions like that to get it, make it work for a film like Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, trying to make it authentic, not just about any explosion, isn't it? There must be so many varieties of explosion. How does a... There's so many. Yeah, right. How does a jet plane explode, you know, compared to a building or a demolition expert blowing up a, a block? I mean, it's uh, there's so much to it, right? Yeah, and there also like they were talking about different types of explosions affected by different type of materials that mm. was caused by the explosion and the speed of the yeah. collision. But to be fair, we don't really work. We don't really work with that. The effects does yeah, it. We just we just have it. to make it just a little bit, you know, a little bit more. Give it a bit more pop and yeah, just wrap it with some ribbon, make it a little <laughs> bit nicer. That's cool though, because a lot of the, the VFX is, you know, the job job of compositor and the, the, the VFX teams is to make it believable, right? And I think your job is to make it sit well in that that environment that, you know, it, it doesn't look like visual effects. It just looks like something's exploded. You know, is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, what was your take on, because I imagine you've worked on so many different shows that were a high, you know, volume of vfx shots in inverted commas but what was it like working on this show that is essentially it's invisible vfx there's no big hero moments where there's you know an alien craft coming down or lots of superheroes and marvel characters you know this was a a piece of 
you know, art that exists in the real world? I mean, what was it like as, as an experience compared to the other shows you may well have worked on? First of all, like the footage was very different. You know, it's a lot of like GoPro-esque. I mean, I mean, it's not GoPro, but you know, like a lot of point of view footage from the cockpit um, fixed camera. Mm. In terms of com, there's a bit of a different, different problems and different ways we need to yeah, analyze. And like I said, like, you know, with fixed, fixed camera shots, and especially with the when the plane goes so fast, there's this vibration, there's this really weird subframe motion blur that we had to emulate, okay. emulate and match to. Basically, it's, it, it is a bit different from the, because of the way they shot the film. There's not much blue screens as well. It's not a typical VFX. That's true. It's all on sh- live shoots. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of live shooting, yeah. It's pretty amazing, actually. So that opening shot was kind of like almost a comfort zone where it's all green screen and, you know, it's almost more traditional. And then you move. That was it. First shot done. Now into this uh, real world environment. Yeah, yeah. The first, actually, the first one, it doesn't have too much blue screen. I think it's just when the plane was uh, on the on the tarmac, and then Tom Cruise had some blue behind him. Uh, but once once the plane goes up in the air, it's all like full CG stuff like that, stuff that we're comfortable with. That's really interesting. So moving on then into the next question, which is more about the team you were working with. Tell me a bit about your crew, your team. You know, tell me a bit about what it was like working as a crew rather than your, your personal experience. I think my answer would sound really cliche, but I, I thought like the team working on uh, Top Gun was actually really, really cool. I think most of the time, like we were at that, when the start of the project, we we're actually working in office. So we actually know each, everyone, we're seeing everyone, what they're doing. And we're just trying our best to just make the shot better and better every day. And also because that's like a, it's such a high profile show that we really wanted to keep the standard there, but for some reason there was like, uh, we need to transition into working from home midway from the project, and it was quite tough at first because it was like a change of lifestyle as well for most of us, most of us. I remember like we weren't able to do like a playback on the twenty four SPS during the new work from home setup, mm. like everything was jittery and laggy. But despite all of that, like the team actually still gave up, like gave all their best and just trying to hit that high quality standard that we were hoping to achieve. Yeah. So that was really cool actually. I saw like artists putting in extra hours just to make it look good. Um, for me, I sat next to Marco basically. <laughs> so so he, he's like, he was really fun. Um, he was my lead. So we kind of collaborated together for quite a few tasks because I'm conveniently placed next to him. So it's like, hey, Nick, I need help with something. <laughs> very, very convenient. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, Marco talked about how he used a humor a lot with the team, trying to create that team spirit. And it sounds like that's, uh, that's testament to what he said earlier in the week. He's a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. That's interesting, though. I mean, uh, going from kind of working in the studio to then transitioning into kind of lockdown and getting set up from home. I've heard a lot about the team spirit on Top Gun Maverick and how it was really, people were really passionate and really came together. Do you think the lockdown almost exemplified that team spirit? Because, you know, you transitioned from, I guess, pre-COVID to post-COVID production. Do you think that fed into that team spirit, like everybody coming together? I think it was a bit of a challenge, to be honest. Like, we did feel like working from home in the beginning days kind of like brought people a little bit further away 
we could see that everyone was just soldiering through it despite the early technical setup that wasn't super great at the beginning but yeah there was a lot of camaraderie we had this volleyball i don't know if they mentioned it in the previous podcast we had a volleyball where we signed on it one of the top gun things to have a volleyball thing Oh, the call signs, yeah, yeah, they they did mention the volleyball. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is good. This is why we have the podcast for these little nuggets that there was a, a volleyball with everyone's call sign. I'm going to be asking you for your call signs later in the show, but yeah, talking about the show itself, then I mean, obviously, I've mentioned the awards and the nominations, you know, Oscar, BAFTA, VES, etc. What, in your opinion, makes uh, this show award worthy compared to? all the other shows that are out there that haven't been nominated. What's your take on that? I mean, like, anyone who has seen the show actually can see how beautiful the cinematics are and also the attention to detail and the seamless, invisible VFX that is just really lovely. And also, like, I was watching the interview with the director and the amount of uh, effort and thought of process into putting the show together is actually really amazing. I think I agree with that. Like, uh, I also think that what makes it award-worthy is a great complement of uh, practical shooting versus visual effects. Yeah. Like, the on the product shooting side, they really did their homework. They make our job a lot easier, sure. you yeah. know? So I think it's one of those shows where it's unique in the sense that they don't rely on VFX for everything. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of work, obviously, but it makes our job so easy that the result is, you know, very super realistic and detailed visual effects that holds up. Yeah, that's really fair. And I think, it's, in my opinion, it's almost visual effects that, that aids the storytelling rather than it just being a big set piece that is all very impressive and amazing and whiz-bang, but actually having something that just is there for a reason. You know, all the VFX pushes the story along. Is, does that mean getting too conceptual or do you think that makes sense? No, I think I totally agree. I think Top Gun is one of that examples exactly that VFX aids this, this uh, storytelling. Absolutely. It shouldn't be front and center, should it? It should be the performances and the, the story should ring true. And then the VFX just yeah has its back. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Oh, God, I'm getting really deep on this podcast. I don't <laughs> normally drop nuggets like that. <laughs> Talking about your experience on the show, uh, and now you, you mentioned you said it's been a few years since the experience, so you're doing a great job of recalling all of those experiences. But what new learnings did you take away from working on Top Gun Maverick that you employ now? Are there any learnings from that experience? Do you want to go first? Um, for me, I'd say I learned a lot of aerial terms aeroplane terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent do you want to share any with me like a cobra maneuver thrust vectoring nice they throw a lot of these words during dailies um and then we kind of need to understand and uh shock diamonds that's i think oh, yeah. that's one of the, like, the uh, they do the afterburner and then there's this funny thing that comes out <laughs> they're called shock diamonds i also kind of learned what an airplane should look like <laughs> <laughs> been looking at them for like a year so you just learned a lot about planes and plane language yeah 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 pretty much the same you guys must be super cool at parties dropping all of your uh your plane references and your your jet fighter terminologies <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> anything around uh craft and, and your your role as compositors do you think anything that you improved your skill set you know sharpened your tool set oh yeah i mean in terms of compositing, like I really know how to make 
good explosion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I, other than that, like, uh, we also learn like all those because there was so much plate, and we actually get to study them a lot. Where we complete like, uh, we learn about distortion, heat distortion, like mm. we recreate heat distortion. Yeah. Oh yeah. We also for for me, I I kind of observed that recreating. A canopy reflections like let's say his guy he's in a canopy and then there's like a cg plane outside oh, yeah. if you restore the reflections properly it actually helps integrate like the cg so so much yeah that's true yeah yeah, yeah it makes it more believable yeah it makes it a lot more believable just by recreating the the canopy reflections into the com so that actually saves a lot of a lot of the shots i don't I don't tweak the CG too much. I just basically restore the canopy reflections and then it looks pretty good already. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like quite an important part of it, actually, to make it more more believable. I love that. I love that. So a lot of learnings then. So planes, terminology, explosions, reflections, all, all, the, all the cool, important stuff. Where for you as compositors where was the creative influence coming from? So was it from uh, somebody like Marco or any of the leads? Was it the soup? Was it the director? Was it uh, Tom Cruise? I mean, can you tell me a bit more about the, the creative influence from your perspective? I think it's from everyone, I guess. We compose, we take the brief. Maybe we start tentatively doing some first pass stuff, putting a bit of ideas, then the comp soup, give his input, VFX soup, give his input, and then uh, everyone moves the show along, I yeah. guess. And then if you have more ideas, we will... Just throw it try out. something yep. as an alt alt version and try to sell that as well. So on a typical day, I guess working on the show, you know, how many people are you engaging with and connecting with when it comes to the creative direction? Because obviously, I imagine compositing as being quite an insular job. Sometimes it's just you in the box and you're doing the work. But actually, in terms of connecting with the wider team, you know, how many people are we talking about? Mm, I think it depends on the sequence. Like if uh, the sequence is bigger, like you actually have a senior compositors that you you actually refer to. I'll talk to them. but most of the time we are actually just talking to the leads and the comp soup and the VFX soup. And in terms of the feedback on shots and the work that you were doing, what I've heard is the turnaround on feedback is quite quick and quite steady. There's a lot of, as you said, camaraderie. There's a lot of collaboration. You know, is that your experience as uh, compositors? Like uh, sometimes, like we were attend dailies and we will see notes that were similar to similar shots that. And we can just pick it up and address it in our shot, like without being told. Like uh, mm -hmm. it's more like a self-initiative thing. And sometimes if we see references and like, oh hey, like this laser shooting beam has three colors. Why not have three colors instead of one? And we just show it. And if they like it, that's great. If not, we'll just try something else. Yeah, just trial and error. Yeah. yeah so it's like a combination of uh, working with a lot of very different uh, shots and references and i think ideas from our leads and soups nice nice well it sounds really collaborative we talk a lot about problem solving and, and solutioneering on the podcast when it comes to working on projects like this and uh, definitely sounds like that was the case is that again is that fair to say i'm just speaking freely here <laughs> yes correct yeah, that's true. So for a show that was a real joy to work on and super collaborative, if you had to do it all over again, would there be anything you'd do differently? Actually, not any that I could think of. It's a really cool project, actually. It's one of the most memorable ones that 
I have been on personally. I, I don't know about you. Yeah, same. I think no, nothing I would have done differently on the show. So what makes it memorable, Shay? You use that term memorable. What, what makes it stand out as an experience? I think it was the team. Everyone there was like really great. And some of them, I've known them for years. It feels like a, a college, like a, a group project. I felt like because of the pandemic as well, like it felt like we try harder to, yeah, it's just pretty much really, really good teamwork. Mm, I think also because we have good camaraderie, so we have good, we, we, we kind of know the soup and we trust the soup yeah. and they trust us. We kind of get that feeling. So we tend to, as artists, we are more comfortable with taking risks, like making a bit more artistic choices and trying to present that. That's interesting. So almost because you, you had there was so much trust and so much camaraderie and you work, I love that it's like working on a college project, Shay. I think that's such a great analogy then almost if you create that environment then you probably do become a bit more creatively uh not risk averse but you know you, you can you can take a few punts and try new stuff and be more creative and be a bit more more maverick you know in inverted commas but i think that's uh that's a great take actually that's great advice for anybody listening if you create that environment you instill that extra creativity also like it does help that because we've worked with them like on a couple of projects before so we know or what are their expectations for, like, or what are their creative, like, thoughts and process. So mm-hmm. it's, we, we are a lot braver in throwing out ideas. And yeah, and it, trying new things. So even though if, if it's not something that they want, it's like, oh, hey, it's okay, we can try again next time. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. It sounds like a joy. Like you say, a really, really lovely experience to work on, considering it's such a long period of your life, isn't it, working on these shows? Yeah, correct. I was on the show for, at the, at the very beginning, and then I got taken away halfway through the show to work on another show. Oh, really? And then when I came back, <laughs> it was still going on. Then I was like telling Marco, hey, you guys still haven't final the show yet. <laughs> but yeah, the show went off for pretty long, yeah. My next question, you've kind of already answered, but I'm going to go there anyway, which is, uh, did you know you were working on something really special at the time? This was going to be a big deal, not just in terms of awards, but being part of the cultural kind of zeitgeist. I mean, I had a little inkling that it's going to be pretty awesome, but I just didn't want to jinx it. Do you, do you remember where that inkling came from, Shay? How, when did that inkling appear, whatever an inkling is? <laughs> <laughs> when I first saw the first plate that was ingested, and I know like, oh, this is going to be really cool. Ah, yeah. So it does help that my friends and I were like talking about it, and they were talking about how nostalgic it is, and they were all really, really excited. So I got hyped up as well. For me, it was I kind of knew that there was something a bit unique about it. Um, generally, I'm very neutral about a show because like there's too many projects before where I did I thought we did great work, but then it always bombed at the box office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't like to talk about those ones. <laughs> but yeah, um, for this one, I, like uh, Shay said, you know, we saw the plates. It, they we saw that there was a lot of effort going to it, and the way that we do it. It's pretty, um, it's not the standard way of doing things, I guess. So I kind of like, enjoyed working it. And I, I knew it was going to be a little bit, one of those unique shows that might not necessarily have a lot of uh, good reception, but maybe it's like something special. I wasn't prepared for the overwhelming reception. Yeah, it's because it wasn't released like until two years later. Mm-hmm. So we really didn't know like how the response it would be. 
Yeah, it's interesting you talked about the nostalgia because I imagine there's a lot of pressure with something that has so much nostalgia. Like I say, it's 30 years since the original, which is crazy to talk about that amount of time. And then for the film to come out and not only surpass the original, but almost be a film in its own right. I mean, it's almost like a standalone piece of content, isn't it? Because it's been such a period of time since the original. But at the time, I can't imagine what that kind of must have felt like. The weight of nostalgia. Oh yeah, now that you mention it, it is 30 years. I suddenly feel so old. <laughs> oh, don't, don't talk to me about getting older. I'm, uh, I'm as old as the hills now. <laughs> Moving on to the next question, uh, I like to give shout-outs to unsung heroes. So would you uh, want to shout out any what we call MVPs, uh, most valuable players on the crew? Yeah, Who would you uh, cite as an unsung hero on Top Gun? I think we're going to say everybody. <laughs> That's fair. Diplomatic answer wins every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because everyone actually really did give their best, so it would be quite unfair to like just point out one. That's fair. So everybody. Yes. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. No problem with that at all. So uh, I'm going to move into the last couple of questions towards uh, wrapping up this last two episodes this week celebrating Top Gun Maverick. This is an interesting one. One of my favorite questions. And you may or may not have an answer because I might have covered everything. What's one question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? So is there an anecdote or a story from the shoot or the experience that we've not covered that you want to put out there? It's just like a small thing for me. Uh, basically, I wish you ask um, what is the toughest task that you did on the show. Okay, that's a great question. I'd say it's the one where where the Dark Star flies over the security booth and then it blows the roof up. Yeah, and then the security guard and the general, they kind of like stood there. Yeah, what a great scene, yeah. So that shot was really hard for me because it's actually a split screen. So we had to like morph two plates into one and we need to blend two characters into one so that's actually like a more of a pain task than a calm task but me and Marco we both were working on it and we spent quite a lot of time on it so when people saw the shot like generally when people see a shot like that oh look at the plane it's so cool it's so cool but the hardest part of the shot that we know it's not the plane it's not about the plane at all it's not about the shockwave <laughs> at all it's about the two guys standing there <laughs> And that's a great that, uh, that's a great shot as well that is like again one of the standouts i think when that when it whooshes over them both and you see all the kind of impact the dust and the wind and the yeah that was the wind, that was real actually really wow they had a real plane fly over them and it really yeah. it, was, it was real we just had to do a cg takeover of the and replace with a dark star but those two guys were really getting hit by the yeah the, the little flying jet yeah stood there so brave wow Wow, that's a great, great answer, and yeah, you pulled it off. It's a great shot. What about you, Shay? What was the t- what was your biggest challenge on the on the show? I think every shot has something difficult about it, but I do remember one shot that was. It's not. It's not very uh, flashy. It's not a flashy shot, but it's basically this uh, pilot was in the plane, and there was like a flare, and I think he was spinning around. But we have to replace the the guy inside the cockpit with another plate. So it was like a lot of a flare replacement and restoring the reflection and all. It, it took me quite a while, but when people actually saw the shot, like, oh, what did you come in this shot? Oh, you will never know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with the invisible VFX, isn't it? People don't notice the VFX. And that's the strength of how good the VFX is when people don't notice it. It's all that hard. It's a weird irony, isn't it? Where you want to be recognized for this amazing visual effects, but actually it just looks like loads of planes, like you said earlier, Nick, you know, flying around, shooting jets, 
exploding, you know. And that's that's high praise. That's high praise indeed, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. If people don't notice what you did and they say, oh, there's no CG involved and they're convinced that there's no CG involved, it means that you did a really good job. <laughs> well, isn't that what Tom Cruise said when he was doing the, the junkets or the, the PI? He said, there's no VFX in this. There was, a, there was a T-shirt as well that we proposed, you know, like a, the T-shirt. I think that someone made a T-shirt that says there's no VFX on the T-shirt and then they pitched it. They actually sent it. And it won, I think. It got rejected, obviously. Oh, really? It got rejected? <laughs> oh, shucks. <sure. laughs> For good reasons. <laughs> for good reasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not surprised. Brilliant, brilliant. Now, thank you for your, your answers there. That's a, that's, a, yeah, great, that's a great question, actually. Um, so moving into one of my final questions, which is one of the traditional questions we ask on the podcast at the end, because uh, we're trying to keep up with a weekly release cadence with these episodes. So I'd love to hear from you both uh, who you'd like to hear on the podcast and why. We were just talking about it earlier, like before the podcast, like we actually would like to hear someone from the film store art department because I know like they always do like visual developments and pitching it to the client. And we were really curious, like what their thought process and how they work around it. Yeah. That's a great one. That's a great one. There's some great people in there we could uh, we could get on the podcast. Really good call. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll be waiting for it. No worries. Well, I'll let you know once I've uh, secured somebody. But yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, we're trying to get around as many people as possible. So that's a, a great answer. And is that an answer from both of you? Did, is that you both agree on that, Nick? Are you uh, in support of that? Yes, that's the consensus. Excellent. <laughs> so finally, is uh, our little tag-on fun question. If you were a character in Top Gun Maverick, what would your call sign be? I don't really have a preference which was what happened in the in the project so they assigned me a call sign <laughs> so i'm sure they told you about it everyone on the crew had a call sign my call my call sign was a uh, nick rivers okay nick rivers um it's apparently in the name of a character played by Val Kilmer in the movie Top Secret. Oh, right, okay. Top Secret, yeah, the spoof spy thing, wasn't it, years ago? I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know what's, <laughs> what's it about. But it... <laughs> Brilliant, I love that. That's excellent. What about you, Shay? What was your call sign? I think Marco actually gave me this one. It's a banshee. Oh, nice. That's a cool one. Yeah, it was actually like a spreadsheet, and they gave like, people like uh, call signs for each of the artists. And we actually had like, you know, like in Gmail where we chat with people, we were using Slack back then and we actually had to replace part of our name with the call sign <laughs> just to identify we're part of the crew, just for fun, you know. Nice. It's pretty cool. That's super cool. So every, yeah, so everyone messaging you, they see your call sign, they, they, know, they know that you're on Top Gun project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. So you literally would sign off with your call sign. Lieutenant Shay Banshee Lin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so cool. That is really cool. That is really, really cool. I like that. You should keep that going. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, uh, it, uh, I did this on the last podcast. There's a Top Gun call sign generator on the internet. Mine is Downtown. Oh, really? Simon Downtown Devereaux. <laughs> and then I did it again before this episode, and it's slightly cooler. It's Shadow, which I'll take. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's cool. It's obviously one of those random generators that mean nothing, but I'm, uh, I'm going with Shadow for this episode. Last episode, I was downtown. Read into that, if you will. <laughs> anyway. You can make up a background story on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
thank you both so much for spending this time with with me and obviously the uh, the loyal listeners of the frame store podcast that was a really interesting conversation well thank you for having me is there anything you wanted to share anything that you know you wanted to plug anything you wanted to mention before we uh, we sign off uh no <laughs> <laughs> not really <laughs> just thanks for doing thank this. you for having us. i like an affirmative answer and that's what i got <laughs> Shay, Shay and Nick, absolute pleasure. Good luck with the various awards that Top Gun Mavericks are nominated for and have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, that wraps up our Top Gun Maverick special episodes this week. We hope you've enjoyed this deeper dive and insight into working on an award-worthy show. It just leaves me to thank Shay and Nick for being an absolute pleasure to speak with. And of course, you for listening. We're back next week with another episode where I speak to another special guest. Trust me, you don't want to miss this one. This is Simon Downtown Devereaux signing out. <laughs>